great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him. He said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Michaela. Would you pray with me once more as we come to God's word? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we we hear your parable here that's all about your word and hearing and listening. And so I pray that just in this moment as we pause, that you would get our attention, that you would open our hearts, that they would be receptive to your words, and that for these next few moments as we hear your word preached, as we study your word, that it would not just be interesting, it would not just be the filling of a little time here, but that your words would actually take root in our hearts, and that we would be changed, that we would bear fruit. Would you come and be our teacher this morning, Lord Jesus? In Christ's name we pray, amen. So kids, I have a question for you. Do you ever have this experience at home where mom and dad tell you something, maybe they ask you to do something, or they're trying to explain something to you, and they're talking to you, and you're hearing words, you're hearing noise, but it's not really sinking in. You ever have that experience, maybe mom and dad are telling you to go do something, they're giving you instruction about what you're to go do, and then you walk away from that conversation and totally forget to do what they were talking about doing. Has that ever happened in your house? I think that's happened like maybe once in my house. Maybe once. You, you realize there's a difference between hearing something and listening to it. In fact, mom or dad might use that exact phrase. You're hearing me, but you're not listening. And any parent knows, and in fact, if you're a teacher, you really know this too. And if, you're, if you've ever been a coach in any kind of setting, you know this too, that probably the greatest challenge you have in that role is not just saying things that are heard, but actually getting 
these young people that you care about, that you're leading, that you're investing in, getting them to listen, getting them to take it in. And so you probably know that experience when you are saying something, you're saying words to a young person, and you see this condition come over them that's called MIGO. Does anybody know what MIGO is? It's an acronym. It stands for My Eyes Glaze Over. Have you ever seen that literally happen in a kid? You know, or it's not even for a kid. Let's be honest here. But you know that experience where you're talking to another person and you just notice their attention just fade and all of a sudden they're in a totally different place. They're not hearing a word you say. In fact, it's like, it's like the eyes change colors even. You know, they're just glassed over and you realize everything I'm saying right now is not sinking in. And so dealing with Migo is one of the greatest challenges you have as a parent. Now kids, I just want to encourage you by saying it's not just you. Adults are the same way. It's the same way for us. In so many settings, in so many places in life, we can be hearing something, but kind of like the teacher on Charlie Brown, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher, to Charlie Brown sounds like, Wonk, 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 it's, it's that, it's, it's demonstrating that, you know, noise is coming out, things are being said, but it's not sinking in. And this happens to us as adults in so many ways, that you're hearing something, but it's just, it's in one ear and out the other, as we like to say. You know, that can happen so easily with spiritual things. It can happen so easily with God's Word. That we can hear God's Word. In fact, we can hear it a whole lot, but yet fail to listen, fail to take it in, fail to be changed by it. When I went to seminary, right at the very beginning of seminary, and seminary is like Bible school, and one of the first things that we had to do as students before we ever took a class is we had to read this little booklet that was written by one of my professors, and it was called... I can't remember the exact title, but it was essentially a warning about what we were about to do. You might think, warning? Why do I need a warning? But what he was warning us of is, listen, you're about to start a three-year, three- to four-year process in your life where you're going to be studying God's Word every single day. You're going to be constantly exposed to God's Word. You're going to be constantly hearing God's Word. And now here's the warning. God's Word will never leave you unchanged. It's never going to leave you neutral. It's always going to have an impact on you. And the impact can be one of two things. Sometimes God's Word might change you and transform you and humble you and draw you closer to God. But God's Word can also harden you and distance you and close your heart and push you away. And the difference between what impact does God's Word have on you is the difference in your heart. How do you hear it? Are you going to humble your heart and receive and listen and implant it? Which is incredibly hard. I know you covenant students probably know something of this reality as you're at a Christian college and you're always hearing things about God's Word and about following the Lord and you've got all these chapels and that is a tremendous privilege. But it's also a danger, isn't it? Because without realizing it, your heart 
can become numb and stale to the riches of God's Word. So we've been talking about in this series, discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? Because, you know, in our language in the Bible Belt, primarily the the word that we use for someone who's a follower of Jesus is Christian. We call it a Christian, or you're a Christian, and that's fine. But really, in the New Testament, the word Christian is only used three times. The preferred word for a follower of Jesus in the New Testament is a disciple. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And as we've been talking about, a disciple is like an apprentice. An apprentice is someone who's learning from a master how to do a particular craft the way that that master does it. And that's what discipleship is. We're in relationship with Jesus, and we are learning to live our life as Jesus would live our life if Jesus were living our life. That's Dallas Willard's definition of a disciple. And what we're going to talk about today is that really at the essence of being a disciple is how you hear the words of Jesus. It is, it's really all bound up in what do you do with the words of Jesus? That's really the central question in discipleship. Do you hear His words and take them in? Do they shape you? Do they challenge you? Do they change you? Do you wrap your life around the words of the Master? That's the question of discipleship. And that's what we'll see in our passage. So let's jump in here and look at this. Right off the bat in verse 4, Luke is going to set the scene for this story for us. And look at how he describes the setting here, how he gives us this uh, kind of sense of what was happening before Jesus launches into this sermon and this teaching. In verse 4, we see, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. So Luke, in setting up this scene, has given us this sense of the buzz that's happening. That there's this huge crowd gathering. In fact, if we've been following along, we've been seeing the crowds are getting bigger. There's a buzz throughout Israel about this new prophet and about could this be the Messiah. And the the crowds are coming in, as Luke says here, they're coming from all over the place. They're coming from every town. Now, those are the kind of things that really impress us, really impress us, especially of Americans. Whenever we see a crowd, whenever we see something getting really popular, whenever we see things going viral, we're like, hey, that's real. That's happening. That's, there's something real there. Whenever we see a crowd, whenever we see something really taking off, we're like, hey, man, that is impressive. And then whenever we see something that's kind of you know, obscure, and it's small, and it's, you know, not a lot of people are into it. We think, you know, that can't really be that real. That's not all that impressive. But man, when I see a crowd, it's just exciting to us. It just makes it feel real. Listen, the disciples were the same way. As they saw the crowds coming around Jesus, they were pumped. They were like, hey, this movement is rocking here. We're going to Jerusalem. Big things are happening. We get to be a part of it. We're like at the forefront here. And so they're always worried about the crowds. They're always worried about, okay, what what are we going to do? What are we going to teach on today? What's going to happen here? And Jesus was notoriously like blowing it in that moment. You know, like bringing out the sermon about eat my flesh and drink my blood. And just the whole crowd's like, what? I'm out of here. And you can just imagine the disciples like, No, not the drink my blood sermon again. Jesus, we got the crowd here. 
So you can imagine what they're feeling in this moment as the crowd's gathering and the buzz is happening. It's going viral. Jesus, what kind of sermon you bring in here? How are you going to bring the zinger? How are you going to bring it home? Let's rock. Bring your best stuff here, Jesus. And here's what Jesus does. He stands up and he tells this parable. So there's a farmer going out and he's scattering seed. Some of the seed falls on a path and the birds of the air eat it up. Some, some of the other seed, it falls on rocky soil and it comes up, but it withers because there's no moisture. There's some other seed that falls among thorns and weeds and it comes up, but they choke it out pretty quick. And then there's some other seed, it falls on good soil and it takes root and it bears fruit a hundredfold. If you get it, you get it. Amen. I'm out of here. That's the sermon. What? That was Jesus' sermon here. Just this short little story that's like, well, what does this mean? It's kind of cryptic. How, how do we apply this? And Jesus just leaves it there. And then at the end, he says, if you got ears to hear, then you'll hear. And then he walks off. If you get it, you get it. Why, why was Jesus so unimpressed by the crowd? Why, why, did, why did the crowd not get him going like it does us? Because Jesus knew down deep it wasn't real. The crowd's not real. The buzz is not real. Yeah, it's real in the moment. It's exciting. The things are happening. But Jesus knew you're not going to last. You're not here for me. You're here because you think I'm going to help you in some way. You're not really after what I'm going to bring into your life because when I come in, I change everything around. And I know, we both know that's not what you want. So here's a story. See you next week. And so the disciples come up to him after that and they, they lean in and they say, Jesus, can you explain that to us? We don't really get it. What, can you explain the story to us? And look at what Jesus says here. Very fascinating. Verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, verse 10, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 6. What? You see what he's saying here? Jesus says to the disciples, as they're leaning in, as they're wrestling with it, he's like, the knowledge of the secrets, literally the word means mystery, the mystery of the kingdom, it's been given to you. That's why you're leaning in. You're leaning in because your eyes have been opened. And so as you hear a parable, you're, you're wrestling with it. You're saying, I don't get it, but I need to. I'm going to chew on it. I'm going to lean in. And Jesus is saying the reason that you're coming and asking the questions, the reason that you're wrestling is because God's opened your eyes to the mystery of the kingdom. But the reason I speak in parables is so that they wouldn't see. I speak in parables in order that the, the truths of the kingdom might be veiled to the crowds, that they wouldn't understand. That's not how we normally think of parables, is it? I mean, normally I think we think that, yeah, Jesus taught parables because, you know, a story reveals things, it make thing, makes things clear. So Jesus spoke in parables in order that, that these complex truths of the kingdom of God might become more clear. That's not what Jesus says here. 
Jesus says, I actually speak in parables so that they can't understand. He's quoting Isaiah 6 where God calls Isaiah to be his prophet to his people. And he says, you're going to go and preach, but your preaching is actually going to blind their eyes. What? What's happening here? See, what Jesus is saying is that through parables, for those people that are just coming in and saying, just just give me a few nuggets. They're not really interested in their hearts being transformed. They're interested in inviting Jesus into their life, but they have no interest in their life going into the middle of Jesus' life. You know, they just, they're there because... Really, they're, they're, they're wanting some help. They're, it's interesting to them, but, but they don't want to come and submit their life to Jesus. And Jesus says for them, I'm veiling it. I'm not making it clear in order that they, that they might be further hardened. Because Jesus will not let us ride the fence. Either it's going to harden you and drive you away, it's going to obscure it, or it's going to cause you to lean in. You're going to hear the parable and you're going to be like, I, I, I need to know what you're saying, but I don't understand. Let me wrestle with you in this. And that's the function of parables. They both reveal and conceal at the same time. Fascinating, Jesus. So then Jesus, to his disciples. Now, it's very clear in the other accounts of this. Mark has got an account of this in Mark 4. Matthew's got an account of this in in Matthew 13, it's very clear in those passages that when the disciples come to him, they've walked away from the crowd. They're often private. So Jesus here is talking in private to his disciples, and he explains the parable to them. Verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. It's so clear here. The seed is the word of God. So the farmer is God and Jesus scattering His Word. It's the Word of God as He's scattering it all around. As He's preaching, He's announcing the Word all around. But the path is the people who hear the Word of God, but there's no response at all. They're just indifferent to it. And here's what He says. The devil comes, this is those who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their hearts so that they cannot believe and be saved. That is fascinating. That's not how we think. We don't really believe in the devil, right? We're far too, like, modern for that. We're far too, like, we know really the material world is all that there really is. And the, the spiritual world, well, that's, that's just in your heart. Listen, that's what we're constantly being conditioned by in our world. And you know what? It makes its way into our hearts. But Jesus is teaching us there's a real devil. And when you... Share the word with someone. And there is no response. Sometimes we think, and this is part of how I struggle, I say, you know, whenever I am teaching or I'm I'm sharing the gospel with somebody and I long for them to get it, and I get so, like, uptight on myself, and I'm like, i got to say it just right. And when there's no response, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I'm not saying it right. Have you ever had this experience? You know, you're sharing the gospel you're, you're, you're sharing the good news about Jesus, and yet a person is just utterly unmoved by it, and you're like, did I say it wrong? Did I leave something out? We think it's up to me to open their eyes, and Jesus says, no, 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 here's what's happening here. 
the devil is blinding them actively. We wouldn't think that, would we? But it's true. But then there's the the seed that falls on the rocky soil. Verse 13, those are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So he's talking about seed that falls on soil here that is very shallow. It's got bedrock just under it. And, and because it's shallow and it has rock underneath, it, it heats up quickly from the sun. So it's, it's very warm soil. And so oftentimes a seed will, a seed will quickly take root and, sh- and shoot up. And it looks very impressive in the moment. But whenever the sun comes in and really beats down on it, Whenever the the hard kind of conditions and and seasons come in, it doesn't last. It fades away because there's no root. And Jesus says, this is talking about those that because they have no root, in the time of testing, they fall away. This is those that respond initially. I mean, it looks like it's taken. It looks real. But then whenever hard circumstances in life come, when suffering comes, when difficulty comes into your life, it just kind of, you fade away. It just, because there's no root in those times. And Jesus says over and over, listen, the hard times are coming. The testing is coming. Hardship, if you're going to follow Jesus, hardship and suffering will be a reality. And so what often happens is in the face of those circumstances, and listen, it could be all kinds of things. It can be sickness, it can be a difficult uh, marriage relationship, it can be the loss of a job, it can be all kinds of things. These are the circumstances that come into our life, and yet in the midst of those things, what happens? Because there's no deep root, you just wither away. Jesus says, this happens all the time. At other times, the seed falls along weeds and thorns. Verse 14, This is those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Jesus says, again, here's another situation where there's an initial rooting, there's an initial coming up, but there's there's these other things that are growing all around them, and they just, they choke it out. It's not able to mature. All these distractions and other, a lot of good things in their life, and it's not sudden, it's just subtle. It's slow. It's not like the plant dies in a moment, but it's just so incrementally slow. All these other things in their life, it just begins to take a little bit more priority. They get really, really busy with great stuff in their life, but it just chokes it out. And you know what? After a while, it just falls away. Not all of a sudden, but over time. What happens? But then finally, there's the seed that falls in the good soil. And this stands for, the, for those with a good and noble heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. You see, Jesus says here, the reality is it's in the heart. That's what the soils are all about. It's a question of what, what is the condition of my heart? What is the nature of my heart? Whenever God's word falls into my heart, when I take it into my heart, what happens? What happens is determined by the nature of my heart. And Jesus says, when you know it's real, it's whenever it takes root. It grows deep. It's not that there's not hard times. It's not that there's 
not seasons of testing and, and difficult circumstances. No, that's certainly a reality, but because there's deep roots, it lasts. You know, the, the end result here is that there's this, there's this harvest of fruit. Jesus is saying, this is how you know when it's real. I think this is a huge parable for us in the Bible Belt. I think it is so important. Because, and we've talked about this a lot, but there's a big thing in the Bible Belt where we make so much of how you start the Christian life. And we make so much about a decision. We make so much about a season in your life where you're on fire. And, and whenever someone has that initial season of response, we just like get really excited about that. We just tell everybody we know about it and, and we just share the good news. Hey, we had a hundred people saved and, and we got all this awesome stuff happening here. And the reality is, so often, it doesn't last. It's exactly what Jesus is saying here. I mean, did you notice that three of the four soils, three of the four situations in which God's Word is sown out, in three of the four, there's a response. But only one of those three lasts. Isn't that fascinating? We don't think of it that way. And the response you see here looks really impressive initially. It's like a real response. It looks like real faith. They're pumped. They're on fire for Jesus. They pray the prayer. They make the decision. But the reality is, it doesn't last. And you see, the problem is we tend to put so much on initial enthusiasm. And we tend to put so little on persevering. On lasting. See, that's what Jesus is saying really counts here. Not how you begin. I mean, he's not, he, he's not against a great beginning. He's all for it. But he's just saying, that's not at all the main thing. The main question is, do you make it to the end? Are you consistent? Are you growing? I don't, I'm, I'm not so concerned about the beginning here I'm really concerned about the end. How are you going to finish? You know, one of the interesting things when you're a pastor is that this happens all the time, and I've got a, a good friend who's a pastor of another church, and we talk about this all the time, but so many times folks will visit your church for the first time, and they'll come up to you after it, and they will be pumped. Like, this church is amazing. This, I've never experienced this Man, God's Spirit is here and at work, and, and I'm just, ah, I want to join the church, I want to serve, I want to teach, I want to preach next week, I want to do all of this stuff. And you know, as a pastor, that's encouraging, that's exciting, that's great, but here's what really, strangely, always happens, you never see them again. It's like, wait a minute, did I hear something wrong? Uh, they were so excited, but i never seen them again. And what's so funny is my pastor friend, he said, you know, I've just started telling people when they, when they come and they get that reaction, I say, I'm so happy, but why don't we just start with you coming back next week? And I'm like, isn't that just a Jesus response? Like, hey, I'm all about this excitement in you, this enthusiasm, but you know what I'm really about? Is it going to deepen? Is it going to mature? Is it going to last till the end? Because I'm about perseverance and the producing of fruit. And actually, that's when you know it's real. 
This past week, I was just with a friend in, here in, in Dade County, and, and we were just talking, and this is a person, she, she doesn't go to church, her and her husband don't go to church, and she would, des- she would describe herself as a believer, but she's kind of wrestling, you know, with the whole church thing and Jesus thing, but she was telling me about an uncle in her life. It's just very confusing for her, and she said, this uncle is like, at this point in his life, he's just kind of doing whatever he wants to do. At one point in his life, he was like on fire for Jesus, major in the church, all of this kind of stuff, and now just like 180, just kind of doing whatever he wants to do. And she's talked to him before, and she said, hey, what's, what's happening here? Because it's very confusing to her. And he says, yeah, yeah, see, I'm, I'm good, I'm saved, because once saved, always saved. Have you heard that phrase? It's a very, very common phrase in the Bible Belt, especially in this area. Once saved, always saved. And so she's wrestling with that. She was like, does it really work that way? I mean, here, here's a guy who's saying, well, I was once saved, so now I'm good. It doesn't really matter what I'm doing. And I said, no, you see, that's the problem with slogans. They can't get the whole thing. The truth is always going to be more complex than a slogan. Preachers love slogans. Jesus did not. Jesus would obscure it, so you'd say, wait a minute, I don't get it. I don't understand. And he would say, why don't you come back next week and let's keep talking about this. There's an element of truth to once saved, always saved. Is there not? Incredible element of truth. I mean, the reality is, once someone is justified, once someone has been regenerated, once their heart has been changed, once God has entered into someone's life, once He has declared them righteous, done deal. It's done. Once you're justified... You do not get condemned. You are righteous in the sight of God. But here's the problem. How do you know that's really happened? Because you cannot tell because you prayed a prayer or walked an aisle. You don't know. How do you know? Perseverance. A life of fruit. That's how you know. Get this balance here. A life of producing fruit and growing is not the basis of your salvation. It cannot save you. Producing fruit cannot ever earn God's salvation or forgiveness or love in any way. But yet, if you've been truly saved, if you've been truly transformed, you will bear fruit. Fruit is the evidence of salvation, not the basis of it. You see how just fine line that is? You've got to wrestle with that in your life to really get it, don't you? So you see, what we do is we obscure this, and what we end up doing is making everything about an initial response, and meanwhile, so many people are thinking, I'm good because of what happened way back there in my life. I wonder if there's not some of us here that are still kind of living on the fumes of a season in your life where you were really on fire. And so in this place of coldness, you're always looking back and you're always saying, oh no, I'm okay, I'm okay because I remember that time in my life and it just felt so real then and I was on fire then, so I'm okay now. How many of us do that? Kind of live on the fumes of a past experience. Let's bring this home and apply it to our lives. Here, here I think is... The fundamental question for us as we apply this to our hearts. What soil are you? What soil are you as you look at them? How are you responding to Jesus today? 
as you hear this and wrestle with this, is it just kind of indifference? Is it just kind of like, man, what's for lunch? What's happening in the Masters? How's Tiger doing right now? I'm kind of wondering that myself, right? They teed off early today. So you're wondering, man, ah, they're playing right now. In fact, some people might be there watching it right now. For some reason, you showed up, right? But you're just, it's just indifferent. It doesn't, there's no grabbing. It's, that's an interesting message. That's neat. Now, what's happening this week? What do I want for lunch? You see, there's indifference. And let me just say, if there's indifference, as you hear God's word, that's a dangerous place to be. For others of us, it might kind of be like the rock. So God's word has come into our life. There's been a response in our life. But we're walking through really hard things right now in our life. And now, now hard things and hard circumstances and suffering, it has, like nothing else, the potential to drive you to Jesus to make you incredibly dependent upon Him. But you know what it also has the capacity to do? To drive you away from Him. See, it's not automatic. Suffering doesn't automatically drive you to Jesus. The question is, it's a matter of the heart. How do I respond to it? So is it, are you just kind of drifting? Because it's just, life is just so painful and you just, you just can't figure out, why would God want me going through this kind of pain? I don't understand it. And so you just begin to lose confidence in God's love and in God's grace and His care. Again, it's not all of a sudden, but it's just a slow drift. Then there might be others of us, and I think this is probably the main danger for us, especially in our culture. There's been a response. There's been a growth. But in your life right now, it's so full what do we always say? How you been? Whenever you ask somebody, how you been? What's the question, the answer that we always get? Busy. I've been busy. I got so much going on in my life. And I, I'm talking to people all the time. I'm like, hey, tell me about how, how your time in the Word is going. Tell me about how your time with the Lord is going. Tell, let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about those things. And it's like, you know, to be honest, I've just been too busy. So we got so much great stuff going on in our life, don't we? Man, we got, we got hobbies, we got trips to go on and vacations. Those are great things. We've got, uh, we've got social media that takes just a lot of work to keep up, doesn't it? Let's just be honest. And like the Netflix catalog, there's a lot to get to in there, right? And the moment I begin to feel, I don't know about you, the moment I begin to feel bored, you know what I do? Let me go check something out on the internet. Let me go watch something on Netflix. It was just too easy to fill your life with this. And listen, for when you get kids, you think maybe, maybe now we're going to get in church, we're going to be about God. Let me tell you, it's worse. It's worse because now we've got so many sports stuff to do. Speaking about myself here. And it's just great stuff to go do. But here's what easily happens. All of this good stuff in our life just chokes the Word. There's no space left for God. And it's not an immediate decision. Nobody says, you know what, I'm going to walk away from Jesus because I really want to pour myself into my hobbies. Nobody ever makes that decision. It's just tiny and incremental. And then you look up one day, and he feels a million miles away, and you can't figure out why. It's choked. 
Is that you? Or maybe today you're feeling pricked in your heart. Maybe you're feeling challenged by the words of Jesus. Maybe you even feel disturbed. Doesn't always feel comfortable. Following Jesus is not comfortable. But His words are shaping you. And you want His words to shape you. And you want Him to bear fruit in your life. Let me tell you, that is a beautiful sign. Probably the even better question for us is not what fruit are you today, but what fruit do you want to be? That's why Jesus tells this parable. Not to just say, well, which one am I and I'm just locked into that. Well, he tells this to say, come to me. It's an invitation. Now, wait a minute. Does that mean it's just all up to me, Jesus? It's just all up to me to have this good heart that responds to you? And no, that's the beauty of it. It's all by grace. You see, that's what he tells the disciples. Listen, you're leaning in. You're coming in. Not because you got this great, natural, inquisitive heart and you got it figured out. You know the reason you're coming to talk to me and nobody else is? Because God's already opened your eyes. God's already opened your heart. See, it's by grace. It's by grace you're here right now. It's by grace that any of these words are grabbing you. And because it's all His work, all His work to open our hearts, all His work to make our heart good and receptive to His Word, because all of that's true, you know what? You can actually ask Him for it. And that's the takeaway. Ask Him. Say, Lord, I identify with the rocky soil. I identify with the path. I identify with the thorns. So much stuff in my life. Would you make me the good soil? Let your word take root in my heart. Because I want to grow. That's what it means to be a disciple is you are growing and producing fruit. Ask him for it. So let me stop there and just give us just a few moments to interact. As you consider Jesus' words and process his teaching in the passage, how does it strike you? What's happening in you? How does it move you? Let's hear from each other. You might be disturbed. You don't have to have an eloquent response, by the way, either. Just hear from each other for a few minutes. Okay, so just talk out loud for a moment, Sandra, which you know how to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. So Sandra's asking this question, you know, you're talking about somebody who's a professing believer, but yet something in their life right now, decisions or viewpoint or whatever, really seems to contradict that. And my answer to that is it's just real complicated. We just don't know. That's why we, we, we should never be definitively saying if someone's a believer or not, because you just don't know. There's been certain points in my life where you would look at my life and be like, see, it didn't last. You walked away. Seasons of incredible struggle, and that's going to be true for real believers. We're going to have, there's moments in the week you might look at my life and say, whoa, this guy's a pastor? So we need to remember that. But at the same time, yeah, we should be concerned for those things. And, and those are opportunities to talk through what it means. And, and because we're in a culture where it's just so it's, so, it's been so confused by false teaching, 
we probably know tons of people who think that they are believers and they're not. It's just probably a reality for most of us here in the Bible Belt is that we know tons of people that think they're a believer and they're not. And the hardest thing, I think, in the world is to bring those people to Jesus because they already think they are. It's just, it's like you gotta, you got to de-evangelize to evangelize kind of thing. It's just hard. It's hard. So it pushes us back on dependence upon Him. You've got you to gotta open their eyes. You've got to open my eyes, that kind of thing. But that's, that's hard. I, I identify with that. I think this is a, yeah, Troy. Right. Yeah, that's such a great point. It just reminds me what a, a mentor of mine told me one time. I said, what, you know, I'm in a context where everybody believes they're a Christian. I'm struggling. How, how do I do evangelism here? How do I lead people to the Lord and everything? And he said, uh, he said just feed people and things that are alive grow. So if they're alive and you're feeding them the word of the gospel, they're going to grow. You don't have to figure it out ahead of time. So it's the same with what you're saying. Pursue with the gospel. Pursue with the gospel.